Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. Matt, there's only one thing you can say at a time like this. Ladies and gentlemen, we're we're back. back. (laughs) I want the listener to know that was unscripted. That would that's so natural. So we've never started a podcast with We're Back, so (laughs) it was impossible for us to know what we would say. Yeah. So what would I mean, this is like a season. Is this a new season of Curious Curious Church? Podcast. It's a new season whereby I knock my mic around. Yeah, it's a new season around. for me. Uh, the listener will would never know this, but um, for a long time, Aaron has done this cool side mic thing, and I've always done a straight up and down mic thing. Oh, and today I shifted my mic to be cool <laughs> and sideways. So I'm speaking to a sideways mic. I have a clear clear view of Aaron. So we'll see if that helps or hurts. Does it seem? Does it seem cooler? Uh, yeah, it, it does, does it always seem cooler? cooler. I think there's something about it that seems cooler because it's sort of not how the mic naturally would go. Oh. You know what I mean? No, if because you, you can do anything you want with these stands. No, but if I look at the mic, there's lettering on the mic, uh-huh. and you read that straight <laughs> up and down. So it's very clear that in some engineer's mind, it would naturally go up and down. But we have flipped the script. Oh, man. When are we going to do our Enneagram episode where we discover that you are, well, we'll have to wait and see what number you might be. Let's not give any spoilers here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so season, it's got to be season three, four, season three. Uh, Yeah, it depends how you think about it. Hmm. We haven't, this probably was historically the first time we've taken an intentional break. Yeah. In the past, we have taken many breaks, as our listeners would know. They were always unintentional <laughs> and unplanned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've never talked about seasons before, so this is a little inside baseball, because we started to kind of think of it this way just very recently, ever yeah. since we did our summer uh, summer send-off. The summer send-off. The, with Curious our, Church Summarized. Yes, Summarized. Yes. With Sarah. With Sarah, who has left us. Yes, and now it's just you and me. Yeah. The story of our lives. <laughs> I'm going to insert some cricket, some lonely cricket sounds in here. <laughs> but it's ever, good. Do you ever try to wipe off your glasses and then you're just making them worse? No. Smudging them even more? I've never had that experience. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I don't wear glasses. Oh. But have we you talked... Wear, you don't wear glasses? No. Have we talked about the fact that I would love to wear glasses? No. And that I, in college, I, oh, had I, a pair, about I had a pair of frames that I would put on when I needed to particularly focus. Ah! <laughs> And they were, it really actually worked. It made me feel more studious. Yeah. You know, you can do things with glasses that you can't do when you have perfect vision. Right, that's sort of. take them off and think exactly. like extra hard or put maybe put one in your mouth. You look like so this. erudite right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that move, that move of the half remove or like you fully remove the glasses, but bring them just partway down. Yeah. That's like just such a smart person thing to do. That's good. And so, yeah. And this combined with a sideways microphone. I'm feeling... uh, It protects you from going full nerd, you know, because you've got the cool factor. The glasses can sometimes point you in an unhealthy... Not your glasses. Your glasses look great on your face. Thank you. Thank you. Good frames. (laughs) Solid. But they they can't have that effect on some people. Yeah. Um, So welcome back, listeners. We hope we haven't lost you over the summer. We hope your summers were filled with joy and heat. And all the ways to beat the heat. And all the ways to beat the heat. Uh, And if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, I I can't forget our Southern Hemisphere listeners. Uh, I hope your winter's going well. Thank you, Chile. Chile, big shout out. (laughs) (laughs) We love you down in Chile. You weren't thinking at all about your home country of Australia? That that too, I guess. We're going to... Should we start with a... Start with a segment to kind of warm up. Yeah. So okay. we're, we're back. We're relaxed. And what yeah. better way to kick off a new season than just by complaining? <laughs> I like chicken and turkey with cheddar. I like a tofu burger, but bacon is better. So what's your beef? Are the beefs in the right place? Should we beef right off the bat? Should this be a beef bat? I, <laughs> <laughs> I say batter up for the beef. <laughs> I don't think there's ever a perfect place for beef. No, you just have to beef while, when and while you can. Yeah, exactly. Well, because you can say, 
because we can reach the end of just a dynamic conversation like we'll inevitably have today. Yeah. And then we'll say, ah, oh, we, sh- we shouldn't beef now. So you just got to beef while the beefing's good. That's true. If we'd had time to reflect on our beefs, we might actually come to our senses and get a, yeah. you know, some sense of perspective. That's right. You have to do it like kind of when you're feeling hot. While it's about burning. It. While it's burning. Sort of the heartburn of the beef. Yeah. The beef is burning. This, so you got to jump on it. <laughs> jump on the beef. There's all kinds of beef metaphors that the more, don't The really more you work. say beef, the more it's just such a weird word. Oh, yes. Like, what? It ends with an F after two beef. vowels. Beef. Beef. What other words end in F? There aren't a ton. Thief. Yeah. Do you know the Hamburglar? It's kind of a beef thief. He's a beef thief. <laughs> like There's that. a term for when words are no longer have meaning because you're say them a lot oh what is it it's Do you know? i think it's called semantic satiation oh that's good right yeah that is that is good yeah like if you just keep saying beef then you're like it's it's meaningless yeah all is meaningless especially if it's a word that's not really in your vocabulary a lot so mm-hmm. we had we sang this song uh this excellent song by sandra mccracken called steadfast uh-huh. on sunday and it, it's a lot of the word steadfast in it oh yeah so yeah, we were yeah. practicing it with musicians afterward you're i kind of like, talked about it <laughs> Right, like it's an easy word to kind of say in the context of other things, but singing it over and over, you're kind of like, you know, it's probably good, right, to take pause and think about what you're singing. But yeah, uh, it was I was so experiencing your, semantic satiation with the word steadfast. So is your beef with Sandra McCracken songwriting? No, not at oh, all. Okay. No, not at all. On the contrary, I thought it was going to be a real hot beef here. <laughs> Calling out other songwriters. No, Sandra, if you're listening, and uh, we did meet one time, I'm sure you remember. But if you are listening, and again, I'm sure you are a big fan. I love, sure. your, love your work. Down there in Chile. So, uh, so do you want to go first? Sure, I can go first. Okay. So, we talked about uh, how I traveled to Australia. Yeah. And so, my trip to Australia went from Sacramento to L.A. Mm-hmm. So, that's about an hour. Mm-hmm. L.A. to Melbourne. Yep. That's about 14 to 15 hours. longer, yes. Melbourne to Perth, which is about four hours. Uh, That's a lot of time on an airplane. It is a lot of time on an airplane. Yeah. Some of it was miserable for reasons that maybe I'll save for other storytelling oh. and another time. But uh, on the trip from Melbourne to Perth, we are now flying a domestic flight on Qantas Airlines, which is kind of the Australian airline. It's got a little kangaroo on the tail, uh, so it's easily recognizable. Mm, mm-hmm. And that was a flight that was basically through the morning, okay? Well, on that flight, we received a full hot lunch and just delicious snacks. I received a Twix ice cream bar. What? Uh-huh. This is on a domestic flight. This is... From where to where? This is from Melbourne to Perth. Okay. So this isn't international anymore. So we we might all expect that on international. This is now a domestic flight. And so my beef... It sounds like you got an I like it here. You were serving an excellent meal. But the the flip side is most of the travel I do is not domestically in Australia. Okay. It's domestically in the United States of America. Sure. And there is no airline that treats their flyers to Twix ice cream bars, (laughs) to full hot meals... Smiling attendants who are just ready to give you any food you want. Mm. No, it's like, well, first of all, there's not even peanuts anymore, which yeah. I understand. Yeah. Okay, I understand on one level. Yeah. Also, it's a tragedy on another. Yes. And we can hold both those things in tension. <laughs> yes. All I'm getting is here's some dry pretzels and do you want a ginger ale? Well, sure, I'll take the ginger ale, but could I have a Twix ice cream bar? Not a chance, unless I want to pay <laughs> $20. I didn't even know Twix ice cream bars existed. Neither did I until I, I got this and it was sort of, first of all, I didn't realize it was an ice cream bar because it was chocolate coated. So it kind of just looks a bit like a candy bar. And then I bit into it and it's cold and creamy. Oh. It was unbelievably mm. good. Unbelievably good. Yeah. So my beef, there's just some music that started in the background as we're listening. <laughs> we play, play cold, pretend like that didn't happen. I forgot to mute all these other tracks. <laughs> I love it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so my beef is not with that experience. I had a wonderful experience, but with the fact that all the fact that that was surprising. Why this shouldn't be surprising. This should be standard fare. Oh, you're taking this to a new level. Yeah. It's like it's the the beef of missed opportunity. Yes. Yeah, on every on almost any flight <laughs> that I take in the United States of America. And you know, it's one of those things like 
if you haven't had that experience, you don't know what you're missing. You're just, you're going along, you're thinking, oh, great, this ginger ale tasted great this time. Not thinking, I could be having a Twix ice cream bar right now. Matt, I have to ask you a question. Yeah. I'm not going to try to fix your beef, but I am asking for some clarification. I'm always happy to clarify and get even more fired up. Anytime you experience something pleasurable in your life, are you angry that it doesn't happen more often? (laughs) This is a really interesting thing because this also revolves around my travels a lot. Rachel, my wife, can attest to this. As a child, Mm. my mother told me, Matthew, your expectations are always too high. You have to lower your expectations for things. And so that's interesting I probably, advice. I probably do. <laughs> I have had trained into me maybe yeah. a little bit of, uh, or just sorry, I kind of organically have a tendency to have high expectations. Yeah. And if my high expectations get met once, oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> they better be met every other time. The world is a hard place to be for people with high expectations. Yeah, it really is. That I, was I essentially feel, my mom's point. I feel like I'm one of those people too. I'm like everything should. People should be better at their jobs. Oh, everything should other beef. everything should work Keep all going. the time. Bonus beef here. Things shouldn't break, and when they do, they should be fixed competently. This is, I think, this is why we like this segment so much because we feel so similarly. Yeah, and basically, that is our meta beef. All of our beefs are probably boiled down to: we expect things to be excellent. <laughs> I feel like this makes us people of longing. Yeah, that's you know, true. we long for a new heaven and a new earth where things just work all the time and every meal is Twix ice cream bars. And this segment is just always lament. Yeah. <laughs> just... <laughs> we talk about the importance that's of a, lament. This a, is what we're doing. This is a new way, a whole new way to think about our beef segment. Yeah, it's, it's not just complaining, lamenting. it's lamenting. Yeah, like, wow, why is the world so awful? Why does How Southwest long, oh and United and Alaska not serve me Twix ice cream yeah. bars on a short domestic flight? Yeah. Anyway, that's my beef. Okay. Um, My, you know, I was thinking about things to beef about today. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's sometimes that feels like the list is longer than other times. You know, sometimes I'm feeling pretty, uh, pretty content other than the whole, the whole original sin, everything, that kind of thing. I, uh, my, my, my daughter has, uh, like, taken to like she doesn't really love milk that much anymore okay. and like okay this is interesting because when you're kid you kind of kids just kind of drink milk with their cereal and stuff mm-hmm. and i grew up drinking milk and uh, i thought oh well okay well so we could do like almond milk or maybe she'll have stuff like with uh yogurt and which is also dairy but it's different um and then i thought Oh, this is kind of interesting. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe and then I see a recipe for a smoothie that uses almond milk and I like smoothies for breakfast. So I'm like, oh, okay, let's do, let's try this. I'm going to do the almond milk thing. So I switched to almond milk. I turned down my own consumption of cow milk. Okay. And what has happened to me over the course of the past few months, this listeners, you missed this over the summer, but what has happened to my digestive system over the past few months, has been nothing short of miraculous. Oh, wow. Everything in my life is better in terms of my digestive system. I'm not going to go into too much more detail about that. (laughs) That's plenty of detail. Okay. This sounds, again, like an I like it. You know, the more I talked about it, the more I kind of think I'm doing the exact same thing that you're doing. But it's okay, because you can set it up for a very negative turn right now. What I am so angry about there you go what my beef is i have a beef with cows oh (laughs) beef with the beef (laughs) get that it's um that is beef squared this whole my whole i'm in my early 40s this is too late to be learning new things about your body (laughs) right now i should have everything dialed in the surprises should be things that I'm going to have to fix in the future as things deteriorate <laughs> within my own physical being. But things that I could have corrected 30 years ago, it feels very, very frustrating to just be encountering those things now. So are you, are you done with dairy? I'm done with dairy. Completely? Well, I do like cheese, like okay. cheese and ice cream, things in moderation. But, yep. you know, a bowl of cereal every day, and sometimes like for dessert, 
at night, mm-hmm. that's out, man. No more, no more, oh, uh, wow. no more milk. So you won't do it with almond milk, though. Yeah, I once in a while, but yeah, it doesn't taste that good. Like oh, okay. you know, Cheerios and almond milk or granola and almond milk is kind of okay, but if you got like a cinnamon toast crunch, you got to have real milk for yeah. that. So that's my beef, and along the same lines, speaking of beef, I'm also trying to cut out red meat. So burgers oh. are out too. Oh, so. Cows, it's responsible of you, but you are useless to me now. You're not giving me anything, but that's yeah. okay because I saw a video just this morning of a cow outside on a farm catching snowflakes on its tongue. I thought I can't eat this. Yeah, I can't, I can't eat this, this majestic. So ironically, you, you are very torn. You are both preserving and frustrated at cows because you're not eating them, right? Which that seems like actually. They might prefer that. Probably. If they <laughs> but have you're opinion. also saying like their main other product you find. Uh, I find not, objectionable. Yeah, that you yeah. find objectionable. That's yeah. a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so cows, my beef is with you. Okay. And uh, I could have made this change. I guess, you know, when you have this much regret over the years, um, you know, you get ang- a little bit angry about it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I kind of, I wonder if, I would have a similar response. I don't drink very much milk, though. But like, if I reduced dairy intake, but then I refuse to experiment because I don't want to find out. Oh, you don't want to? Okay. I would rather have some semblance of suffering for the joy <laughs> of eating cheese and ice cream. Plenty of ice cream. Yeah, that's fair. I would so, want to give those things sort of purposeful either. ignorance of the pretty clear correlation I experience in my life. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, our, I think these, I think these beefs are um, a little bit lame. Mine is with the entire United States airline industry. Yeah, and I like to think that's a robust beef. <laughs> my beef is with my own body <laughs> or with cows. I can't figure it out. You know, Matt, our conversation today. People, you know, you could say you could look back on our vast catalog of episodes i think what ever ever growing ever growing but also you know what else could they possibly talk about that we haven't haven't already covered and then we sat down and we made a list Uh we had a large easel of topic ideas and guest ideas Mm -hmm. here at curious church hq and uh the thing that we that kind of lit a fire for us to talk about today was Bible translations. Well, we, we should give some credit where credit's due. I don't, uh, and I don't know how much I told you this, but I think in our last episode, we might've called out Stevie Swim. We hadn't heard from Stevie oh, Swim in a while. Yeah. Well, he reached out. Oh, he hey, said what's up, Stevie? Is Stevie a, a male? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, he had been in a season of travel and moving across country and it's kind of a, there's quite a bit of saga for, for him. So he's been busy. He hasn't had time to catch up, but he caught up, sent us a little shout out. And then recently I said, are there any topics that would be good for us to discuss on Curious Church? Because folks, not that we were running out, not that we couldn't work out infinite number of topics. We just want to give the people... Give the people a chance to they want. voice what they think. Yeah. And he actually suggested, and he might have done this in the past as well, Bible translations. Oh, okay. So it was so partly... Stevie Swim. Shout out. All right, right on. Listener suggestion. Yeah, that's great. Listener suggestion. So so others who have suggested things, let this kind of, you know, take note that sometimes we might possibly consider maybe one of your, one of your suggested <laughs> topics, maybe. But it's a great suggestion. <laughs> yeah. And it's something we felt like we could not be experts on because that's not what we do at Curious Church Podcast. We are curious about things. So it was something that we were both curious about as well. Therefore, here we are, the perfect storm of curiosity. (laughs) (laughs) So well-framed. So if you were to go to a place like BibleGateway.com, and you were to to say, oh, I wonder wonder what John 1 has to say, Uh and you were to plug John 1 in their little search bar, you would be given a result for John 1. Right. But it would give you one translation of John 1. Correct. What's the default, I wonder? Can you, maybe de- you can choose it. The default is usually whatever you used last. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what their default default is. Okay. Like if you've never visited the site. Right. So there are translations that are very 
popular and pretty widely used among at least English speaking Christians. Yeah. And then there are some, there's a huge list of more obscure translations mm-hmm. in other languages and some translations like from the um, uh, Middle Ages and stuff, yeah, right? All kinds. Yeah. We should say that primarily today we'll be talking about uh, English. Translations or versions. Sometimes you'll hear they're talked talked yeah. about differently. Obviously, there is like a Dutch translation. There's an Italian translation, and sometimes multiple versions within a translation. Right. So we are talking about. We're not going to start reading a bunch of other languages. <laughs> if, we, today. if either of us were multilingual, I mean, Matt speaks a little Australian, a little. Uh, but if we were multilingual, we might have more interesting perspective on this. So maybe maybe we have multilingual listeners who have interesting and speak a little French. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's. We sang a uh, happy birthday at a staff meeting yesterday with our friend Q, who speaks Korean. Sang ye chuka. Hit it. No, no, no. I was enjoying it. But the middle line where we sing happy birthday to your name here is uh, it's, a, it's a little bit different. It's uh, we. Uh, it's we their love name. You. We love you. Your yeah. name. We love you. Yeah. So. Which is really nice. Yeah, but it's but changes the meaning a little bit. It, yeah. If you think, so if you believe words matter, which as an English major and a lover of language, I do believe that words matter and have meaning mm-hmm. and uh, can represent either truth or something other than truth. I think the idea of translation is, is especially interesting. Right. Yeah. And it's not, it's not something with, that we're always thinking about, I think. So one of the significant things to remember is that whenever whenever anyone translates something, they are making interpretive choices. Right. Because uh, it's pretty unusual that there's sort of a one-to-one word like, oh, that we have this word and there's an exact, if there was an exact word in another language that perfectly mapped to that word and all the nuance, <laughs> you would just be having the same language, basically. Right, but no, but languages have all different layers, uh, and so there's always you're always making a translator is making choices and yeah. decisions. Can I back up to something? Yeah, because you mentioned that we're going to be talking about English translations today, which makes sense for us. But if we go back even further, obviously the Bible wasn't ori- originally written in English, right? So there is some that multilingual translation did happen in the past, in some cases more than once. I mean, you may know more about biblical history in terms of translations than I do, but um, yeah, I at mean, some point those choices were made from someone who was capable of speaking both languages. There's a lot, I mean, there's frankly a lot of layers to it, right? So uh, typically like the Old Testament, what we think of as our Old Testament, sometimes called the Hebrew Bible, mm-hmm. if we're talking to Libby Backfish or an Old <laughs> Testament professor, uh, is written in, in he- Hebrew. Yeah. Uh, the New Testament is largely in Greek, but kind of fascinatingly, when a lot of the New Testament writers quote the Old Testament, they are quoting a Greek translation of the Old Testament. Oh, wow. Which is why sometimes in an English translation, you might see a quote, you might see, oh, here Paul is quoting from Psalm, whatever. You go and look up your Psalm, and maybe the wording is slightly different. Right. That's often because he might be quoting from the Greek source rather than a Hebrew source. So translation is, we're actually seeing an act of this happening as God is inspiring the authors of scripture. They are experiencing the effects of translation. Yeah. Which is also a way of saying we don't have to be scared. When I say that every act of translation has some degree of interpretation, that doesn't mean that suddenly we have to be scared that the English translation, we, we can never gain anything from it. We have to be doubtful or skeptical of it all. It's really just a way of saying this is part of what language does, and God has revealed Himself through language, and that's part of the journey of yeah. what it looks like yeah. to come to know Him through language. Right. Translation is just a part of it. Right. That's. I'm glad you said that because there is in in me an innate sort of uh, fear that the truth will get lost or or twisted or altered from what God originally intended. Sure. But you know, God has a history of using sort of the fallible means to. Um, express infallible truths, yeah. right? So, I, like, there's part of me that's like, what if the gospel was math? <laughs> because math, there's no, like, room for error. There's no interpreting. Oh, interesting. It's exactly the same regardless of the language or your place on the planet. 
um, like one and one will always equal two, three yeah. squared is always nine. And then, so those, those foundations create some amazing, beautiful things in the world of mathematics and science. And they can all be kind of, there's, there's no, there's no one who's, uh, has a different translation of, uh, you know, calculus. Yeah. So that's super interesting idea. I wonder sometimes, uh, one of the, because uh, it does feel like sometimes there are people who want to reduce the gospel to math, mm. right? They want to say something like, here's the two, like, here's my proof. Here's my two-step solution. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Like, I'm showing my work, and here's the Bible verses that support it. And right. so you do this, then you do this, then you do this, and because of this, you're saved. Yeah. Right? And it is interesting that language doesn't work quite in the same way. Right, right. Um, I think I think that's pretty dangerous, right? When mm-hmm. people start using... Start treating the formulizing the gospel, and then they can kind of use it to, ironically, then they can jam that into like fit their own purposes. Yeah. Um, So we've uh, I have a like one example of that that's kind of I thought was kind of maybe a little bit interesting. If we're ready to kind of talk about examples, yeah, sure. So part of what we thought we'd bring. So I mean, with with translations, right? There is some wisdom to discerning. Like if you're just taking up and reading. it's, um, you know, you do want to have some level of discernment, but we thought we could just kind of explore a little bit live on air some of the different English versions and do a little bit kind of comparison and reaction and response. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of being curious together and hearing some of these live together. So, great, Aaron, if you have an example of well, something that you found. Well, I have, I have one, when I was... When I was thinking about what to kind of look, what kind of scripture to look at, I thought, well, we could do like their sort of John, like a John three sixteen might be interesting. Oh, but yeah. I I thought, well, I bet I bet that verse is so so popular mm. to use a weird word that you know people are going to think really hard about how they translate it. So I want to do something like a little bit more obscure. Okay, but also Revelation maybe seven <laughs> eight. <laughs> And the four horsemen. And then I thought, what about what about uh, the verse in John where Jesus wept, like the like famous shortest verse in the Bible? Oh, interesting. Like, oh, most of those were Jesus wept. One yeah. was Jesus started to cry, or Jesus began to cry. Oh, okay. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But even though it's, they mean like the exact same thing, you uh-huh. think there's still a little bit different. It just means something slightly different. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm gonna. I. I. The whole idea of translation. I'm gonna have to come to some conclusion. I'm hoping at the end of the tunnel, not an answer per se, but <laughs> something to sort of calm my anxieties about what different translations can mean. And there's oh. probably like a bigger. There's like a bigger story at play. As I'm hoping, kind of what will land. On. I'm really excited about this. This feels. Are like you? A, yeah, it feels like a great journey. Okay. Okay. Uh, so where I went was um, Genesis, Genesis one. Okay. And I thought about the idea of stewardship because Genesis one twenty eight says many translations use the word subdue when God is giving His commandments oh, to yeah. Adam, right? And God blessed them, and God sent. This is the. Uh, King James Version, actually. Okay. God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And I thought, this is, the word subdue means like to kind of, like to conquer, kind mm-hmm. of, like to to defeat something. Sort of bring under your heel or yeah. something, right? Yeah, and I thought, well, the idea, the idea of stewardship is important to me as a mm. Christian and I think, People use, I think, can use this verse to do all kinds of harm to the earth because they, in their mind they're subduing it. Yeah. Um, I found the Good News translation says, okay. uh, have many children, descendants will live all over the earth and bring it under their control, which I thought was kind of okay. like slightly different. That is slightly different. The message, this is Eugene Peterson's uh, yeah. translation, Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. So that's kind of his take. He's taking charge. Uh, Wycliffe translation. um, And to all living beasts that be moved on the earth, 
uh, rule ye over the fishes of the sea, the birds of the air, and all the living beasts. Oh, be, uh, here, sorry, it's, uh, if I back up a little bit, be ye lords to the fishes of the sea. So you're kind of being, you're lording over all the creation as, as a human. So I thought those were kind of interesting distinctions. And the, uh, this, is, this is all boils down to, I think, how words matter. And uh, like the idea of subduing is very different from the idea of taking charge. Or what was the good news one? Bring under, bring under control. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's really, and I mean, this this particular example is a really fascinating one to bring up because there are people, uh, like writing in the '70s, who are basically saying the language of the Bible is the result of our environmental crisis. Oh, yeah, like yeah. Christians have read this and they have taken this to interpret like we should subdue the earth, and so. That means we're going to pull up every fossil fuel that <laughs> is in its core. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is a really kind of interesting thing. So, like, talking about language matters, like, there have been people who have made the argument. Uh, there have also been people who push back on them, but mm-hmm. there are people who have made the argument that this, this language has, in fact, formed a whole kind of approach to the natural world. Yeah. I mean, this particular one is interesting because I think, um, yeah, there's slight, there's slight nuances, I think, in the translations you read. Uh, but all of them remain with some level of aggression. Like, I think one of the things you're saying is subdue feels like a little bit like it's kind of aggressive and assertive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when, when you read the other ones, none of them were not assertive. Right. right? Which, is, which is an interesting thing. And kind of, it's all, there's also a reassuring part to that to me as well, is that, in other words, there's, if we were to map out what's called a semantic domain, like sort of, the general idea of subdue, like you could see all those words fitting in that sure. kind of general right. field. So right. it's not like someone saying, um, let's say be fruitful and multiply and till the earth of the land so that it brings <laughs> forth beautiful flowers. Like no translation's doing that, yeah. right? Yeah. But they're all trying to explore. And in fact, I think, uh, you know, some Bible scholar can double check me on this, I guess because now I'm saying this off the cuff and without notes. Okay, right, Stevie Swim. But I'm pretty sure uh, the language there is like language that's typically used of royalty of like kings. Like mm. this is what, this is the kind of thing that kings do. Yeah. And yeah. so there is kind of an assertiveness to it, but we would want to say, what's the, what does asserting yourself look like? In that right, right. So now I'm thinking, so now depending on kind of the, like there are, the subdue word definitely kind of triggered me to think about other, like other ways to think of, stewardship um and sub subdue i think does have a more conquering sort of feel to it but i but there's also like if you to be a steward of the you can rule over something and and treat it well in fact it's in your best interest to do so um and i think that's in my mind that's that's what subdue (laughs) is mean like so i come at this with my own sort of uh conceptions but yeah sure which which i think we, you always, whenever we're reading, because we're talking about levels and layers of interpretation. So this goes back really in some ways to like early conversations that we we're having about Bible interpretation. We always want to be aware of our the ways that we have tendencies to interpret. Yeah. And we want to be aware that translators will have that layer too. Yeah. Like just a, one practical note about translations is if you're kind of thinking what translation I might be interested in, uh, there are some that are done by individuals, and then there are some that are done by teams. Um, it's not that the ones done by individuals are necessarily bad. In fact, we could have a long conversation about the message and its function and its role. Right. But often teams are helpful because then you have multiple perspectives. Of course, depending on how the team's selected, you still want to be aware of that because if yeah. everyone's from the same background, uh, they're all potentially sort of rowing in one direction. Right. Um, which is so there's this whole kind of interesting world yeah. of Bible translation. Right? Yeah. Sort of infinite, uh, yeah. Can I bring can I bring an example Please. as well? So this is from Ephesians two, verse ten. Um, I'm going to start with how about let, let's go with the King James version. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Okay, so that's the King James. Here's uh, the New American Standard. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Here's the New International Version. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's uh, the New Living Translation. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And then here is the message, speaking of the message again. He creates, uh, yes, here it goes. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. I find, you know, this is an interesting one, partly because there's largely, until we get maybe to the New Living Translation, the message, small variations. Mm -hmm. But words like workmanship, so we have workmanship, handiwork, masterpiece, and the message doesn't really have a word at all (laughs) (laughs) referring to those. Yeah. Just create, right? He creates each of us. Yeah. By Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. Which is kind of fascinating in itself. You know, you're right that there's a lot of, so I'm, I see like, I'm seeing like a few different reasons for even having multiple translations just as you were reading these. So Uh like the King James version, it's, it's, that's obviously one of the older, like the oldest, most like popular versions. Um, And it's, it's a little, it's just a little wordy and it's just not the way, the way sentences are structured isn't quite as understandable. So there's almost like a readability, a reason to translate just for readability. Yeah, sure. Uh, and I, I think that is great. Yeah. Um, but it does, it's still things, things are being changed subtly and, and, mm-hmm. you know, and the Bible is such a huge book that all those, sometimes it feels like all those little changes add up. Um, so I, 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 I like that reason for translation though, is to improve readability. Um, and then I noticed the New International Version, the NIV, as it's commonly known. And this is this is a very common version. So this is the version we use at Granite Springs, yeah, right. by the way. And uh, much of our denomination, I think, I think uses true. it as well. Yep. So uh, NIV says, we are God's handiwork instead of workmanship. And I thought, you know, there is a big push to kind of gender neutralize some language oh. uh, 30 years ago. Do you think that might, might be what's going on here? You know, that's super interesting. I hadn't even thought of that but that's a really interesting observation yeah it could be it could also frankly be that um like what what other context have you ever heard workmanship (laughs) yeah i i i I picture it like someone working in the trades yeah yeah i think we can picture what it is yeah it's not a word we use workmanship Maybe if you see... That's quality workmanship. Yeah, maybe if you see like a piece of furniture or something like that. Yeah. But is handiwork maybe a little bit more colloquial? Maybe it's not. Maybe. Maybe it's not. (laughs) But again, it's a translation thing. So maybe to you, it feels more familiar. But to me, workmanship is more familiar. Right. Yeah, it it is kind of fascinating. I find Eugene Peterson's decision to not have a clear distinctive word for this also kind of fascinating i was pretty young when the message when eugene peterson's the message translation came out I think yeah i was in high school maybe uh maybe junior high and i i thought you know the cojones on this guy <laughs> is what i thought <laughs> and at that time in the early 90s everyone was loving this yeah. that's my memory of it like sure. this is a huge boon to um like biblical scholarship everywhere because he's a respected author and scholar and yeah. uh he knows what he's talking about but it was still it seemed to my young mind it seemed like this is an incredible undertaking to translate the entire bible totally. by yourself mm-hmm. and then to kind of have the uh the gumption to like publish it and make all your interpretations of the Bible sort of accessible to everyone uh, felt very, just felt a little bit crazy. Yeah. And so I've always kind of uh, respected it, but also kind of a little more grain of salt 
when I read the message translations. Yeah, I and I think that's fair. People people have strong opinions about the message. I just the other day saw someone on Facebook say, I hate it when people <laughs> talk about the message as a translation. It's an interpretation. And this was like her rant on Facebook, which, yeah. you know, Facebook's good for those kinds of things. Sure, it's a healthy place to uh, be. You know, uh, I think my, my tendency with the messages say, well, Eugene Peterson was a, a scholar of biblical languages. Yeah. B, he did have an editorial team. You know, he's not just sending <laughs> off sheaves of drafts and they're like, great, there it is. Like, no one's ever looking at this. Like, take it from the vault to the printer. It seems obvious, but I've never even considered that. Yeah. I just uh, Now, I just it's a little different. It no, it's not a translation committee. Like, some, yeah. like the NIV, like a lot of the popular translations, a lot of them have a, a translation committee. Yeah. Um, so you have the expert in Jeremiah right. also doing the translation from the Hebrew. Right. Right. So that's not the case. But then I think you also have to take it what it for what it is. Like there's uh like there's different categories of translations and like there's all different ways that people label them. But if you think about it simply, there's there's people who are translating and trying to be as close to the original language as possible, sort of a word for word translation. Right. There's people who are sort of trying to take a phrase by phrase approach. So render the words faithfully into a new language, but uh, also make it a little bit more readability. Mm-hmm. And then I think what Eugene Peterson is doing essentially is like, here's the here's the main idea. Yeah, I'm going to translate that into a main idea in another language. Yeah, and so there. So to say, all of those are acts of translation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but some are obviously going to feel less familiar. Like they're going to feel more familiar linguistically, less familiar to what we might expect the Bible to sound like right depending right so i think it's healthy to think of that the message as an interpretation as well i think i I think it's more uh it's more like a launching platform almost to thinking more deeply about it or something i don't know i'm sure it's done great work over the years so yeah um I, i like to think about it as a translation in part because that forces you to to remember that everything is translated yeah. In other words, like it pushes back on sort of the those people who maybe maybe you're listening and there's people out here who are listening who have grown up in sort of a the King James version is the only the only authoritative version right. of the English Bible. Right. Which there's a tradition of that in sort of particularly conservative groups. Uh and I would just say like maintaining the message as a kind of translation helps us remember that every even where there's just small differences, there are decisions being made and there's translation. And again, yeah. going back to what I said earlier, don't think that needs that means we should be afraid of these translations. But yeah. it's helpful to remember it as we engage with it. Yeah. It's also why, like practically, like if you are studying a passage, it's not that we all have to be Greek scholars, but it can be great to compare versions. Like it's just interesting. Right. Right. If you th- like even just some of the differences we've talked about. Right. Subdue take charge, yeah. rule, yeah. you know, it's just interesting to think about those different, yeah. different kinds of words. <laughs> and it's also, I, I, just to kind of put a, put a point on what you're saying, it's, it's important to remember that everything, everything we, at least as English speakers are reading biblically has been translated. I mean, we're all reading a translation, so you can't right. say there's like one superior translation because they're all derived from non-English I mean, everyone likes to argue for their favorite translation. <laughs> if you, if you, it, like, do you have a translation that you use more than others, Aaron? I grew, personally? I grew up also with the NIV, the okay. New International Version. So I don't. It's the, what I'm most familiar with. Sure. But I also find it interesting to look at other translations. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I kind of, uh, I can't remember the version like as a child I used, but at some point I was given the New American Standard uh, Bible by my parents and my dad kind of said this is this is a bible that is trying to be as close to the original languages as possible uh, which is think is what you'd want right which is what you think you'd want yeah, of yeah. course yeah instinctively you think yeah. that's the best but also like uh, and the NASB is great in many ways uh, and I read it and used it for years there's also like readability like sometimes it's like it's sort of like what we we're talking about with the King James version uh where you're like, there's a little bit of like, that's not always how sentences are structured. (laughs) And (laughs) the the New American Standard Bible has a little bit of that sometimes because it's trying to, in fact, stick to uh, the semantics of the original languages, which English just doesn't follow. Hmm. 
So, but I was like, I think for a long time, I was like a little bit snobby about using a translation that was kind of close. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you know, this one, these are obviously better <laughs> because they're trying to be, and I think over time I've just, I've mellowed on that a little bit to say like within reason, mm-hmm. <laughs> within reason, you yeah. know, with that caveat, yeah. if you find a translation that you like and you find helpful, like that's, that's a good one for you to read. Um, I often, if, if, um, this is a, a slight tangent, but I have, uh, if I'll work on a Psalms song mm. and I'll kind of s- study a Psalm for a while, I, the Bible I have in my office, one of them is a uh, new King James version. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's similar. It, it's just, uh, the, the phrasing is a little, uh, it feels a little bit more middle English, you know, but it's kind yeah. of without the these and nows and stuff, but uh, there's there's a slightly different sort of uh, lilt to it, especially in the Psalms where it's a mm. little bit more poetic and the imagery it sometimes is slightly adjusted. Um, I don't know, just as a, as a way to kind of think also about how translations make their way into other places in our lives. Yeah, totally. Like if you look up Psalm 23, a lot of us know the King James Version, uh, uh, which I hadn't really thought about. But like if... Uh, Thou art with me. Is that? Uh, it's I. Uh, the New King James has the Lord's my shepherd; I shall not okay. want. Well, if oh, you were if you yeah, were memorizing yeah. the New International Version, the Lord is my shepherd; I lack nothing. If you gather a people, a group of people around who have rudimentary understanding of Psalm twenty three, and say, "Let's say Psalm twenty three together," no one <laughs> no in that group gonna is going to say, "I lack, I lack nothing." <laughs> That's a great observation. I, as I just mentioned, grew up with the NIV, and I this that sentence is totally foreign to me. Right, the Lord is my shepherd; I lack nothing. I never. I feel like I'm seeing that for the first time. Yeah, right now. Yeah, but yeah. that's and again, same same idea. Yep, a different way of putting it. Mm-hmm. New Living Translation says, "I have all that I need." The message does that. Uh, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. Okay. So they're all saying the same thing, yeah. right? But also it's another observation of like, especially the ones that sort of have some cultural embeddedness. Like sometimes you don't even like, oh, this is flowing. A lot of the language that we would think of Psalm 23 is flowing from King James. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, I'm, I feel, I, I, I lament slightly that the NIV changed, I shall not want because want is has a, has a couple meanings, right? So want mm-hmm. can mean I need something, or want. We think of it as like I desire to something. I want. I want that new car, you know. But if this is saying I shall not be uh, in want. Be, be, yeah, I shall not need anything. Yeah, right. So I I can. This is one of those translations I think for clarity that the NIV did right. because the want can have two pretty different definitions. Yep. But. That's cool. Like the old want is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> you like some of the ambiguity. Well, yeah. it's interesting, right? Because you, you say, so I don't know the Hebrew behind Psalm 23, but you say, I like the ambiguity. There's something poetic about it. It might be that the Hebrew is crystal clear. Like it is, <laughs> like it's very clearly yeah. this thing. Yeah. Uh, but that's just like, it's kind of the thing of language. It's, it's why I think... Like when we come to the issue of translations, we come with some degree of faith that the spirit works through words. It's one of the unique, it's one of the really fascinating things about Christianity. If you think about um, other faiths and particularly Islam, uh, there's, there's not, there's not an authoritative translation of the Quran. Like the authoritative translation is the original language. Oh yeah. Christianity is also like we, the book is really important to us. The Bible is really important to us, but we also say like, you can read it just in English and it and it is authoritative to your life. You don't have to it's not that, you know, it's only authoritative if you're reading it in Greek and Hebrew. Uh the translations in whatever language, Italian, Spanish, whatever the case might be, Chinese, uh those remain authoritative because the spirit continues to work through the act of translation, which is really just a fascinating thing to believe. There's a there's a huge element of I know this this might the idea of faith uh, is huge, and we're, I think we're going to maybe talk about it in a later episode down the road sometime. But there's 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 definitely a piece of a huge piece of your faith that you need to invest in reading uh, in reading 
uh, text that's been translated through yeah. kind of so many, passed through so many human hands, right? Yeah. But is still divinely inspired. And I would say like your faith is like not fundamentally in the translators. Your faith is not fundamentally in the text itself. Your faith is in God that he cares, he also cares about this book that he's written, <laughs> essentially, or, uh, and has, has preserved it uh, for in such a way that he too can communicate through it still to you, which is just, I mean, that spend some time thinking about that, and it just starts blowing the mind. I, I think it's another story. It's really a contemporary story of God's faithfulness through generations, mm-hmm. right? We, we often read the Old Testament and think, oh, look at all these stories of God's faithfulness. Uh, the way that we have the Bible and the ways, the various, the various amounts of translations, I think, are actually all testaments to his faithfulness rather than sort of undermining hmm. the truth of Scripture. Matt, that served as an excellent summary <laughs> to our discussion. I felt like today. I started preaching almost a little <laughs> bit there at the end. Or like teaching get this glimmer in your eye yeah, that's like, right. all right i'm gonna drop some truth bombs on everybody like, wait aaron are you playing music underneath <laughs> me here because it feels like this is a music moment <laughs> oh maybe puts a little something something, something like. yeah so I, I i i leave this conversation feeling encouraged um Good. yeah uh this is where i hoped we would land somewhere in the vicinity of there's a, a, a huge, a huge and uh, singular truth that's being expressed sort of in multiple, multiple ways. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, people might be wondering what, what translation, like I want like the Curious Church recommendation. Mm-hmm. We're not going to give you one. <laughs> I will just ask me later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, terrible. But I mean, you, you kind of, I think even our our experience of just reading these out loud, like you find, like you might have affinity mm-hmm. towards towards one, and that's totally legitimate. I think to read, I think I would also, as a quick encouragement, uh, if you're curious about uh, different translations, which we I think both are, read different. They're ones. yeah, read different ones, and they're uh, Matt. Just I did this the hard way earlier, but Matt just showed me that if you go to BibleGateway.com. There's a, a search around, but there's a little icon where you can compare uh, sort of side-by-side uh, different translations. And it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting. If you have a verse you're curious about. Yeah. Go so. for it. Okay. Good episode. I think we... Uh, we are confident in our own episode. <laughs> <laughs> we, we came back to this new season strong, swung for the fences, and we've got at least a triple... Oh, wow. Double? Okay. I mean, I I was told as a child to not set my expectations <laughs> high. <laughs> so. Uh, good good call. Good call. So we uh, we hope we got on first base. Yeah. Okay. And we're glad that you're listening. Uh, Matt, that's a baseball thing. I know you're more of a cricket yeah, guy. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's all. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Thanks for being curious with us. Yeah.